This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. All right, hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to Fans on the Run. Best served chilled with a slice of lemon and garnished with mint. Um, how are you today, invisible void of audience? Good, me too. Man, this is this is fun. I feel like we're building a real connection here, audience. Um, the sun is I was going to say the sun is bright, but the sun is not bright. It the sun is in the sky though. That is that is as much as I can say for the weather. It it, it was nice and snowy a couple days ago and then the snow was gone and now I'm sad again. But c'est la vie. This is again. I start my shows all with a little delusional ramble. This is this is the status quo, or status quo. I don't know. Again, if you listen to my show, you also know I don't know how to pronounce anything. But I digress. Uh, we have a fantastic guest for you today. She's an author who, among other things, has written the recipe record series of music-themed cookbooks. Which I I'm not just saying because uh, she's here, but I've actually tried a number of the recipes. And they are, you can't see it because uh, this is an audio podcast, but I just did the little chef's kiss thing. Uh, so take that as you will. As well, she is the co-host of She Said, She Said with a friend of the podcast and my f- personal friend, Jude Sutherland Kessler. Lena Stagg, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ethan, for that lovely introduction. I appreciate it. And uh, oh, th- mwah, that is the top of the line for compliments thank you (laughs) well they are good i know right (laughs) although i i have to admit it's kind of the the first thing i do with all cookbooks i go to if there's there's a dessert section (laughs) i kind of go to the dessert section and uh you did not disappoint with the desserts why thank you thank you very much i always go straight to the appetizer Oh, that's the second place I go. Yes. <laughs> the the I've got blisters on my fingers wings. Oh, yeah. Ended up turning out quite good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, the Savoy truffles in the dessert section are one of my favorites. Again, out there, this is this is quite early for a plug, but we're already talking. If you have if you don't have these cookbooks, I urge you if you enjoy food, go get them. It is it is too good for you not to. Thank you. Thank you very much. So how how are you doing today? Hey, I am doing great because I get to talk about the Beatles and with now, my new friend from Canada. Oh, <laughs> and you're my new friend from... I live from, in Indiana. <laughs> Indiana. Yes. I, I knew it was somewhere in the States. Well, it's it's been a while since I've been to the States. <laughs> Not quite sure why, though. And you're located no. in Ontario, correct? I am located in Ontario. That's right. So, I want to ask you first, this is going right in, right into the interview thing, whatever it's called. I don't even know if it's an interview. <laughs> I, I, I've done almost 50 episodes of the show. I'm still not even entirely sure what the show is or is about i I still just kind of wing it as i go along well we're just on the run we are 
And again, shout out to Ricky Glover, because I feel bad every time I use the name. Because I kind of stole the name a little. But again, I digress. <laughs> Lena, how did you first discover the Beatles? You know, I wish I had this very romantic, um, memorable story to tell, but I truly don't. I do remember hearing my dad walk around the house. We had a couple of Beatles 45s that I would play. And then... Um, Do you remember which 45s they were? Yep. Baby, You're a Rich Man. Oh. I don't know what was on the flip side. I think we still that, have... That was All You Need Is Love. Is it? I don't remember. Yeah. But I remember having that. But I remember my dad, he would whistle once in a while. And oddly enough, he would whistle paperback writer, you know, just that little earworm would get into his head and he would just all day long. You would hear that. <laughs> so I, I do remember that. And basically I, I think in my life, it, in my life, I just felt the Beatles were like just the foundation for all music. It was just always there uh, all they were ever music present was just grew because of the Beatles. And I don't know how I knew that, or I could, I could hear that um, being, you know, listening to other forms of music and rock and roll. And, you know, I always had my favorite bands in high school and it was never really the Beatles, but I just felt like the Beatles were just, you, you patently loved the Beatles. If you loved music, you, you had to. It, so uh, they were just the foundation for me. And so I never really owned like their their albums or anything when I was a kid growing up or none of that. I don't have any exotic stories, but I, I just remember them always being the foundation. Well, I, I always ask this, even though you just kind of said you didn't, I, I still have to ask. What was the first Beatle album that you remember owning? Um, oddly enough, I did not have any Beatles albums. I, the first, uh, I guess it would have been a CD that I owned for the Beatles. Um, and it was their one collection with the number one really? all of the number ones and i bought oh. that and my children were little and we would listen to it all the time and they loved it they started you know they could sing all the beatles songs so the next thing i bought was um not magical mystery tour i think it was the uh yellow submarine out <laughs> was that an album it had yeah it had hey bulldog on it I loved that Hey Bulldog. And oh, yeah. so, uh, such a kid's song. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that, you know. Well, that Yellow Submarine album, either the song track or the actual album itself, you know, it's good for kids. Because oh, yeah. there's like all together now. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's all too much is particularly a kid's song. <laughs> right. But you have All You Need Is Love, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, I really, uh, really was not uh, so much into the fandom of the Beatles 
you know, prior to being an adult. Now, when I, when I got older and, and after that, during that time period, that's when I started to rediscover the Beatles and to really appreciate um, their songwriting, their, um, how they grew in innovation when they would, you know, keep upping the bar and, and, and creating a different sound and, and that's, and then everyone copied them. <laughs> and so it was, you know, it was more of my adult years that I started getting into that. And I was always a, when I was young, I always loved Paul. And then I figured out, well, John was really writing the better songs. So I would love John. And now, now I can see why you and Jude became such good friends. <laughs> yeah. But then I evolved into a George. <laughs> so yes, true intellectual. Yeah, George, George to me is the 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 ultimate. You know, he didn't didn't have any BS with George. I I, I can't say any opinions. Well, who, who the hell am I kidding? I I host the show. George is my favorite. I knew there was a connection for us. <laughs> George is my favorite Beatle. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, were there any other songs written by the Beatles about desserts? No, it was just George who did it. Right, apple scruffs. I have an apple yeah. scruff cake in my book. It's, uh, I still need to try that one. And it's a delightful recipe. It was my mom's recipe. So, but... Um, the one you would like also is strawberry pie forever. And Jude Kessler gave that recipe to me to put into the book. It was her mom's strawberry pie. But I give this, I give you a big warning with this recipe. You better make two of them because you will eat one. And I have literally eaten the whole strawberry pie. You know how you take out a piece and you think, oh, yeah. that's really good. I'll have another piece tomorrow. And then like two hours later, you go in and have another piece. And then by bedtime. Two hours? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's, it's like, well, oh, I'm done the piece. I go back and eat the cake. Yeah. It's, oh, it's heaven. I just realized I called it a cake. It's not a cake. It's a pie. But I, I love strawberry pie. Oh, my goodness. It is heavenly. Absolutely heaven. And... Whenever I was writing the cookbooks, um, it, it seemed to me in, you know, my adult life that a lot of cookbooks have recipes with a whole bunch of instructions, a whole bunch of ingredients that you can't afford and you're not going to use again. And I wanted to make sure that if someone's buying my book, they're going to have recipes in there of very, um, very, oh, I can't think of the word, um, recipes that are good. They're delicious, but they're not hard to make and they aren't going to cost a lot of money to make them as well. I'm very, <laughs> um, very cost conscious at my house. <laughs> so I, I don't like, I like for things to be a good value <laughs> anyway. Um, but, but the recipes are a beautiful product too. Once you make them, they, they're very lovely. And, um, 
Now, I don't know. The one recipe that I might regret is the vegan wings that I made in uh, tribute to Paul. Uh, Please elaborate. Uh, vegan wings, no dice. <laughs> no dice. No, actually, I think that the recipe... Well, you said no dice. Now you need to make a Badfinger cookbook. Oh, absolutely. Baby blue, uh, baby blueberry crumble. Ooh, that's a good one. I have lots of blueberry recipes. Anyway, <laughs> so the vegan wings actually—I shouldn't say that that they're not terrible. It was a, it was a recipe that was contributed to the book because I couldn't find a recipe for vegan wings. So, um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a vegan. I mean. If there's only one recipe out of the book that you regret, like that's that's still a good book. Hey, yeah, hey, absolutely. I can pick up any other cookbook and maybe pick out one or two recipes that I like, and then the other forty are junk. So yeah, this this has got forty nine solid recipes, like number one hits. Yeah, no pun intended. Actually, yeah, pun intended. That was a that Here was a pun in a pun, little darling. <laughs> oh, oh man, Fan, fans on the run has a complicated relationship with puns. Sometimes I'm like, I hate puns. I want puns to die. And then other days, my brain's just like <laughs> puns. But so I wanna I wanna go back to this. You you've been I I don't want to say a casual fan, up up until. You know, you got the one CD. How, how did you, uh, I'll say, devolve uh, further into a, you know, a, a Beatles fan like you are today? Well, I think... Notice how I said devolve. Yes, I did. I, I noticed that. Um, I, I, I think it was just a matter of my growing up and beginning to recognize the strength of the Beatles. And I spent a lot of my, I don't know, I, I always loved music. When I was a baby, my parents put a radio in my in the crib next to me because I would get up all night. And so they were the kind of parents that weren't getting up. So they would, they would put a, they would put a, radio in the crib and I even through college every night I couldn't sleep without having a radio on when I slept at night and I think all of this music just subconsciously seeped into my brain and so and I'm curious what kind of stations would your parents put on it was a station out of Chicago uh, I can't think of the letters at the moment but w not WLS yeah I don't, I, maybe I can't remember. It's been a long day. Yeah. But, um, but it was, I think it might've been WLS. So I would listen to that every night. And <laughs> so all through high school and, you know, and I had all of these, I was a huge Kiss fan. Oh, and- so you were a member of the Kiss Army. You know, I was too cheap to join the Kiss Army, but I've been to 12 Kiss concerts. 
Love, love Kiss. Well, I'll ask now. Who's your favorite member of Kiss? Uh, Peter Chris, hands down. Ah, yes. Peter Chris, drummer. He is a huge. You have an affinity for the Catman. Yeah, he is a huge, huge Beatles fan. Is and, he? And yes, and that's what I during my adult life I started to notice how really accomplished musicians gave their appreciation for for where they were to the Beatles. Dave Grohl with, you know, Nirvana, Foo Fighters, you know, all of these really outstanding artists um, attributed their, um, their success to listening to the Beatles. I actually learned something cool last night. Um, do you know the movie Backbeat that came out in, I think it was like the mid-90s? Apparently Dave Grohl played the drums on the soundtrack. Yes, I think you're right. I actually saw that movie at Jude's house a couple of years really? ago. Yes, and she pointed that out. She knew that and uh, pointed that out to me. He did a um, an acoustic of Blackbird that was really beautiful, and I think there's a video out there of him. He taught his daughter how to play Blackbird, but um, he's a huge Beatles fan. And uh, well, he played at the the Beatles Grammy celebration. He was at the White House when McCartney got his what? What do you guys call it? Ger- Gershwin Prize? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? It sounds fancy. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. I think they gave it to Led Zeppelin one year too. Yeah. But um, anyway, but um, I don't. I don't know. It was. It's definitely my adult years. Whenever I started to really take a deeper look into the Beatles, and and I read, um, I read some some books. Of, about the Beatles, uh, there was uh, Philip Norman's John Lennon book, and um, at the time, when I was writing that first cookbook, my best friend and I were writing it together, and she was blind, so I would call her up at night, and uh, she always had trouble sleeping, so I would call her up at night, and I would read passages out of that book to her. <laughs> And, Out of um, the Philip Norman John Lennon book? Yes, yes. And this was before I knew Jude. Um, and so we would, you know, do lots of research into the Beatles. And, and, and we really, really got very immersed into the, um, the, the love of the Beatles. <laughs> and the mythology. Right. And mystery. Um, and mystery. Magical mystery. Yes. Again, pun intended. <laughs> See, again, my brain's not working, so I feel the need to point out any time I say something on purpose, say pun intended. It's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. That's kind of obvious. <laughs> oh, oh man. Let me let me try and be a little more coherent. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you hear it all here for folks. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, I'm going to ask you now. My voice is getting quiet because this means this is a deep question. What do the Beatles mean to you personally? The Beatles as a group mean 
that anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible, but also if I can, in my little blonde logic, meaning everything is possible and nothing is possible. Um, all four of those men, young guys, young boys, they, they had talents and they had, um, they had a future ahead of them, but it wasn't going to be anything unless the four of of them connected if there had been one missing one of those guys out of the four there would have been nothing Mm -hmm. and because they all four came together um that in my mind is a miracle so like anything is possible i often you know, in all the readings I've done over the years, I've beyond accepting that they were a miracle in my mind, (laughs) the work ethic that they all had always amazed me. And whenever a lot of days, I've had a lot of hard days working a job and you know, doing all these other different activities, raising children and, and everything. And I would think, and, and writing books and trying to sell books. And I would tell myself, okay, the Beatles were doing what, 10 shows a day when they were in Germany. They were, they were not our 10 shows a night. <laughs> um, you know, they would sleep in a bathroom with each other and so why am i whining that um i haven't even worked a tenth as hard as those guys have worked and i think that is something that is lost on a lot of people because i think and i do think there's a lot of artists today that are very popular and they had to work their tails off but they make it seem like it just happened And um, the Beatles, they were very hardworking guys and they didn't, you know, no one had really had this kind of fame and fortune like they had, but uh, they, I don't know. I I think they, they, you know, some of them loved it. Paul, of course, loved, loved, loved it, still loves it. Yeah. Uh, George. George never loved it. You know, George said, even when he was, you know, in his thirties, he said, I was in the Beatles for eight years and I'm 35 years old. So there's 27 other years of my life that I've done something else besides the Beatles. The Beatles were a very small part of my life. So, but you know, they, I'm really just kind of rambling on and I'm not, no, rambling's good. I don't know if I answered the question, but they, they were very, um, they, they still inspire me whenever I'm, Uh, I I get exactly what you mean though. You know, I'm thinking I can't, I've worked so hard and I don't get anything. Well, have I, have I performed 10 shows today and slept in the broom closet? No. 
And they did that for months. They, you know, they, they sacrificed and uh, they worked really hard. It was not, uh, it wasn't an easy trail. So. Well, I also want to ask, um, do you have any particular memories that stand out that, you know, are fond memories that involve the Beatles music or the Beatles in some way or another that, you know, come to mind? Well, when, um, when my daughter was in second grade, I took her to a, it's called Abbey Road on the River. It was <laughs> one of the first Beatle fests that they had in the United States, like outdoor fest. And it was in Louisville, Kentucky. And I took her and we had a great time, but you know, a second grader, she kind of, you know, yeah. lost interest after a while. But then the next year, um, my best friend that we wrote the book, our book together, Maggie, Maggie and her niece and my daughter and I all four went to Abbey Road on the river and we went for about eight years in a row. That was our thing to do. That was <laughs> always our thing. And we had really unique experiences while we were there. It was really fun because the first couple of years we went, we didn't have our cookbook. And so we would meet Bruce Spicer. We would listen to, you know, all of these other authors. And, you know, one year we went and there was a guy that had Ringo's drum on display and John's glasses. And we all got to put the glasses on. No one was in the room and he let us put the glasses on. And it was really? like, wow, this is a magical moment. And wow. So we met Pete Best and we we just had all these really, really wonderful memories from um, from being at that Beatles Fest. And that's um, it's kind of it's kind of bittersweet now that Margaret's not with us. And yeah. um, but the Beatles have a very, very uh, strong important bond for 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 the girls and I I'm still you know, we're still extremely close the three of us uh, wrote and published a Rolling Stones cookbook a couple of years ago so uh, that that was you know that was good fun as well but there's just something something to quote George about the Beatles there you are with the puns. <laughs> no wonder fun. you, you've written so many cookbooks. <laughs> so, oh, it was fun. Well, I want to ask, what gave you the idea to write a music-themed cookbook in the first place? Like, what was what was the genesis of that idea? It was my... It was Maggie. She, um, like I say, she... She... she had lost her vision she didn't sleep at night and so she was kind of always a mess but we the four of us always went to shows together we went you know to you know broadway shows we went to bluegrass music shows we did all kinds of things we we stayed at the 
uh, George Harrison's sister's house, which was a bed and breakfast in Benton, Illinois. Louise. Um, yep, Louise's house. And uh, we we did all of these things together. And so I told Margaret, I said, we, we got to come up with a way to make some money using all of the, she had been a DJ, a really prominent DJ in St. Louis. And <laughs> so we, we knew a lot about music. And Actually, now that you mentioned St. Louis, I would like to make a public apology on the show for mispronouncing the city name because I'm Canadian. There's a lot of French here. So I, I have noticed myself on occasion say St. Louis a lot. <laughs> I think St. Louis sounds exotic. I like it. Yeah. So I would like to apologize to the people of St. Louis. <laughs> I'm sure that they will accept your apology. I hope so. So, um, so, so Margaret called me in one night and said, okay, I've got an idea for something. Well, this was back in the day when blogs first started and mm -hmm. okay. So we're a couple of girls that don't know much about the internet. We just kind of know a little. And I told her that I heard if we write a blog, we can make money. <laughs> So we started a blog and because um, we have a lot to say and mm -hmm. but then like then it was like uh, where's the money? Yeah. <laughs> so when that didn't work out <laughs> she she you know and when in the middle of the night you know we'd just been talking about different ways we could make make money and use music and what our writing and what we know and and she came up with the idea. She said, what if we, because we both love to eat and her family, um, it's, her family ran restaurants. And she says, we, we know lots about food. What if we have a rock and roll cookbook and we name the recipes after songs? And, and they were, you know, you know, guac like a man. Or, you know, you say goodbye, I say jello and walk like a man yeah or That's... i fought the slaw and the slaw won <laughs> <laughs> oh my god they're great they're super great and um so that is how it that is how it started and you know we would get together and we'd listen to music or we'd watch watch videos and um and we loved, always, always loved watching the concert for Bangladesh and then watch the concert for George. And George was her favorite, too. So we would always fight. When the four of us would go somewhere, we would, each of us had to choose who was our Beatle. And so my daughter would always choose Paul. Mm -hmm. Annie, my, Margaret's niece would always choose John. And then Margaret and I had to fight over George. Because nobody wanted Ringo. <laughs> Who usually won in those arguments? You know, I always let Margaret. I'm always the first, the, the one to just give in. So I said, okay, you can have George. I'll take Ringo. <laughs> but my mom, oddly enough, she would say, well, you know, in 
when the Beatles first came here, Ringo is the one that everyone was in love with. And um, I find that really fun and cute. I, I mean, I, I don't know why they wouldn't love Ringo. I'm always, I'm joking when I say that. But, um, you know, he, he was behind the, the drums, the drum kit and he didn't see him very much. But yeah, the, um, that, that's Sir Ringo to you. That You are absolutely right. And, you know, hey, man, he's like, what, 80 years old? He can, he has all my respect. <laughs> so, but um, no, I would, I would, uh, I would become Ringo and the other girls had everybody else. <laughs> so you seem to be a bit more of a, a Beatles fan than anything. How, what led you to the Stones cookbook? Was it just the, the logical next step? Um, actually, the the springboard for that would be my husband gave me Keith Richards' uh, autobiography for Christmas one year. And I read it with so much delight. It was so, so terrific. He has a, a very witty sense of humor. He is hilarious. And, you know, I don't know how he's still alive. And Oh, no. Um, you know, I don't know. He's going to outlast us all. Oh, absolutely. I think he's a robot. But... Um, I've just been on a Rolling Stones uh, kick lately because they're they're doing this exhibition that they've oh, been doing for like the last, I don't know. I wanted to go to that. Well, they're starting it up again. And this is, this is fate, let me tell you. Uh, the only Canadian stop on their new exhibition tour is like my sister city. Yeah, and it's not even like the big city in Canada. It's not even the big city in Ontario. So you would think it would be in Toronto. It's like okay, it's not okay. Then it would be in Hamilton. No, it's in Waterloo. Actually, no, it's in Kitchener. And so we we got the tickets, even though it's a year away. Wow! Wow, uh, that's just, awesome. I we just learned the mistake from the Bowie exhibition of not getting your tickets in advance. Sure. Yeah. Well, you'll have to keep me posted on on um, and share some pictures with me because I would. Well, I will. I I would like to go see that too. Um, I when they were here when it was here, I think it was in Nashville, and I couldn't go for whatever reason at the time. But um, but but that whenever I read his book, and it kind of sparked the Rolling Stones and. And then like about a month later, after I finished the book, the girls, the girls said, oh, I w we want to write a cookbook with you. And I said, oh, how about a Rolling Stones? I could do that. I can pull that out fast, you know. And so actually the girls were a huge part of contributing recipes and, and making, you know, the, the music connect to the recipe. But the fun part was, getting them to listen to Rolling Stones songs that are not, you know, um, start me up or yeah. jumping Jack flash. So listening to like monkey man and some of the other more obscure songs that, um, 
she's a rainbow. You don't ever yeah. hear that on the radio. Um, you should have had like, the last time, like T-H-Y-M-E. Yeah, I think I do have something like that. I have to remember what I got. But Happy, Happy is one of my favorite songs by the, the Stones. See, I'm, I'm right now on the fly trying to come up with food-related food related Rolling Stones puns, but I can't think of anything that would match 19th Nervous Breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You or know. Have You Seen Your Mother Baby Standing in the Shadow? Uh, Yikes. Have you have you seen your mother baby standing in the scalloped? I don't know. Yikes. <laughs> well, there's um anyway, the Rolling Stones Fans on the run, ladies and gentlemen. The only place you can get free pun. The this is the only place. There are no other podcasts that have ever made puns before. <laughs> Yeah, and there's no way you can fact check that. True. Yeah, so well, you'll I, have to take my word as I, fact. I just fact checked it. No, you didn't. <laughs> Why would anyone take the time to fact check fans on the run? It's not worth their time. Oh, <laughs> uh, actually, this is this is always my favorite bit because this is where it gets this is where it gets opinionated. And I, I like it when it gets fun like this. So okay. I want to ask you, what is your favorite Beatles song? Mm. Well, and Tom Hanyadi, if you're listening, I phrased it slightly different than usual because your impression of me still stings. <laughs> oh, Love you, Tom. I know, Tom. Um, My favorite Beatles song. So... It's very hard because it changes with the situation. So um, I, in my life, is you know way up there, but I am very very drawn to "I Will." I I love that little song. I just think it's precious, but. Probably um, the, oh my gosh, and I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to mess it up because I haven't been listening to the Beatles um, but for a while and I'm getting tired. But yes. probably, probably my most favorite is um, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. There you go, on brand with the George song. I was waiting for the George song to come in. Yeah, yeah. Well, my husband would be sad to know that that's really my favorite because he thinks in my life is, I mean, that, and it has very meaningful, um, has meaning because of the people. But while my guitar gently weeps, that that song, the intensity of the song, the the bass and the the piano and the and it's it's you know, it it kind of builds. And George's phrasing, um, I just think is beautiful. Well, what what's your opinion on the, uh, the stripped down, more kind of acoustic versions on the anthology and the uh, the love album? Um, I love them, absolutely. And how about uh, have you 
listen to the Esher demos much. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm, I'm, I love the Esher demos and, uh, the actually not guilty on the Esher demos is, is another big favorite of mine. There's some great George songs on the on the Isha demos. Like, I, I I can't stop listening to uh the George version of Sour Milk Sea. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Which there you need to make something about that like sourdough sour sea. Sour milk. Sourdough sea. Yeah, there you go. There you go. See, I'm I'm doing your work for you here. Well, I think you should make it. <laughs> Oh no, I I don't have talent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure you do. So now I I always like to ask the flip side of that question: What is your least favorite Beatles song? Oh, let's see. This is gonna sound really snotty, but it would have to be a Paul song. Okay, no, that's not <laughs> snotty at all. That's usually what my <clears throat> answer is. Um. Probably, oh my gosh, let me think. Um, I don't have a list. Of, Honey Pie? Oh, I do hate that song. Ugh. Um, it, it's one of the songs that when I'm listening to the, the Beatles Sirius XM channel, if it comes on, it's like, and now I will switch to channel 21 instead. I really don't like Obla D, Obla Da. Okay, I see, I find myself defending that one a lot because a lot of people hate it. I can see why, but it's it's one of the better Paul songs on the White Album, in my <laughs> opinion. Again, <laughs> I, I hate saying it, but that's not saying much, saying it's one of the better Paul songs on the White Album. <laughs> that's great. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's probably... And you know, oddly too, one song I and and I am a terrible Beale fan for this, but "Love Me Do" doesn't do anything for me. Oh, oh man! I'm wicked. I am a wicked woman. Oh, my heart is crushed. I love that song. <laughs> no, nah, I can see it though. It's just There's like not <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it just, well, it just okay. has charm, though. Yeah, I mean, you just have to keep it in context. That was the first. That was the first one. And there although was it, it suffers a little when you consider that "P.S. I Love You" is the B side, and that's probably one of the most uh -huh. early, or that's one of the most advanced early Beatles songs. Careful what you say about that song. It's a great song. I can sense some sarcasm there. No, no, no. It, you know, those those were groundbreaking. Yeah. You can say you don't like it if you wish. Yeah, it, it is not my bag. It's not my bag. But I was more, I, I mean, I really, really got, um, and I believe this, the, the revolver, that, that really, revolver really, got under my skin and i think the um the transition from the syrupy the syrupy i love her she loves me that 
getting out of that and get and, and transitioning into revolver just really is what grabbed my attention. And you had um, Robert Rodriguez on, I think, last week. His book that about Revolver is amazing. And so Revolver was really the, the album that resonated the most for me. You, you read my mind there because I think you knew that was the next question I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. It was going to be, not. what's your favorite Beatles album? And All you right. answered correctly. Excellent. Yeah. I win I, the I, prize. I, I, oh, you win the prize of my affection. <laughs> um, I I always like joking that there's a correct answer, and there is a correct answer. It's Revolver. Now, I notice people say, like, ooh, the White Album, ooh, Abbey Road, ooh, Rubber Soul. No. It's Revolver. Revolver. If, you, if you're listening to the Beatles from... From the beginning, if you listen to all their albums, um, I, I interviewed a guy. I had a radio show on Blog Talk Radio for a lot of years, and I interviewed a guy that was in a Beatles tribute band, <laughs> and he's older than me. And, and so I said, you know, what did you hear whenever you first – we were talking about Revolver. I said, what did – you know, what was your reaction? And he said – Whenever we put the album on, he remembers going to the store and buying it, putting it onto the record player, and starting, put the needle on, and you heard a one, two, three. He's like, what? What is that? Nobody, they, they never, ever had, you know, it sounded like it was a mistake. Yeah, and it sounded like someone didn't splice the tape crop right. properly. Yeah. No one counted in a song. Everything was very clean oh, and neat. What about I saw her standing there? Yeah, but that was different. Yeah. This that was, was one, very two, three, four. Instead of one, very, two, yeah. three, four, one, right. two. Yeah, yeah, you got it. There you go. <laughs> so Do I win a prize? You do. For the best. Perfect. Intro, um, what's the word? Impression. There we go. My life is complete. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, Revolver just, it just, it made, it, the Beatles were adults, <laughs> you know? It, it's the perfect midway point. Absolutely. And Taxman actually, too, was the first topical song that the Beatles recorded. You know, every song before that had just been about relationships. This this, this is the first one to about, like name drop prime ministers and yeah, this, members of parliament. This was serious. The Beatles were getting taxed almost 95% and they were angry and leave it to George to be the one to stand up and say, Hey, uh, we're getting screwed here, and and this is who's doing it. Um, and it was it's it's a groovy song, but they all the songs on there. She said, she said. Um, well, we'll we'll get to she said, she said in a minute because there there's something a bit further there. If you know, if you catch my drift, I think so. 
So I'll, I'll ask you, what is your least favorite Beatles album? Ooh, least favorite Beatles album. Keep in mind, there is also a correct answer here. I don't know if I have a least favorite because I do love them all. Or, or one that you find yourself listening to the least. Um, it might be, and I'm gonna, I'm wicked. I'm a wicked woman. I know that, but it might be Abbey Road. Really? Yeah. It's just kind of boring. And maybe I've just listened to it so, so much that it just. See, I find myself, I, I, I see where you're coming from. And, but at this moment, I find myself disagreeing completely because I, I used to really love Abbey Road and then I went through a period where I thought it was boring, like the whole medley kind of just kind of drags. But then like songs I used to not like at all in the medley have suddenly become some of my favorites. Like uh, the song Sun King, I would always skip the song. Oh, I love I would Sun always... King. But then I I listened to it fully, finally, because I, I don't think I'd actually listened far enough into the song for it to actually start like, here comes the sun. And, you know, as a big fan of uh, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, I, I love the albatross influence. Right. Um, but I, I get where some of that album can be a little repetitive. <laughs> and, yeah, I just I just... It seemed um, very perfect. Yeah. Um, and, and I love it. I do love it. And Sun King is one of my favorite songs. Actually, you just touched on a point that I don't think anyone else has ever touched on on this show. Abbey Road, I, I've had people say on the show that it is the best sounding Beatles album, like sonically, but it's it may be a little too polished. Especially yeah. coming off the heels of Let It Be, where it was a dumpster fire, and they didn't even release it until uh, Alan Klein's like, hey, we need money. Right. We have to put out this new movie for United Artists. Hey, mm -hmm. Phil Spector, why don't you make something out of this? Right. Yeah. But Although what's your I, least favorite? So, Is there an answer? Uh, my least favorite's Let It Be. Okay. Yeah. I like... What's I like, like the let it be unplugged or whatever it is. Let it be naked. Yeah. I I really like some of the songs. Like I I can't live without I me mine. I can't live without um like. Actually, no, that's the only one that sticks out <laughs> in my mind. Um, I like uh, two of us. That it. I can take it or leave it. Um. And there's a John song on there. I can't remember what it is, but I really enjoy. Yes, I've got but, a feeling on Let yes, It Be. Yeah. I keep forgetting. Yeah. I okay. No, I, I like I Got a Feeling. Yeah. I, I, I like the story behind it, that they were trying to go back to their roots. And, and I can hear that. Yeah. And, and that's why I do enjoy listening to it. But um, I... You know, this this whole show just reminds me I need to listen to the Beatles some more. <laughs> I I um 
I just am kind of not boring, but I'm working so much all the time that I just have kind of gotten out of the routine of listening yeah. to music. Well, hopefully this will this will snap you back in a little. Yeah, I'm gonna be listening to the Revolver tonight. Not the Revolver. That sounded yeah. really nerdy. I'm listening to Revolver later today. Yeah. Well, and actually, since you mentioned another band, and I want I mentioned another band, I want to ask you kind of some opinions about those. What's your favorite Kiss album? Mm. Well, when I was growing up, I had a live. Kiss Alive and Alive 2 and Platinum. But I think it's Rock and Roll Over that has uh, some awesome some awesome songs. There's some awesome Peter Chris songs. Uh, oh, that, that's the one with uh, Hard Luck Woman, I think. Yeah, I love Hard that's Luck on... Woman. He's got a song called Baby Driver. Yeah. And I just love that song. Um, Nothing to Lose. Uh, I, I really, they, they had a very kind of a blues Mm -hmm. and, um, kind of a big band. He was a big band drummer. He was quite jazzy. Yeah. And, uh, so I do like a lot of their music. They, they get laughed at. A lot of people laugh at them. And when I was a kid, everybody's laughing at me because, um, everybody thought that they were Satan worshipers and, that you know girls shouldn't like that and like whatever i like that band yeah so uh i i think i like alive two more than i like alive one yeah i think so i think but you know those songs were all recorded in different cities and pasted yeah. together and and then like at know. the end of the album they they don't even have live songs it's just right. some random it's studio there's a there's dave a, clark five cover clark five song i was getting ready to say that any way you want it yeah well actually that that awesome. kind of in a roundabout way introduced me to the dave clark five who are now again one of my favorite bands yeah i like them yeah Although I do have to say I do prefer the Dave Clark Five original now that I've heard because it some sound it somehow sounds even more hard rocking than the nineteen seventy seven Kiss version. This nineteen sixty five Dave Clark Five song. That's awesome. And well, that's the kind of thing that that you know the people didn't give Kiss a whole lot of credit for you know they they had more appreciation for music than than people gave them credit for they were doing some outrageous things just to get attention and to get money oh yes (laughs) there's no question but there was some musical value underneath Mm -hmm. all of that too so um, if kiss didn't wear the makeup and didn't do the huge stage shows and um they would have been in the same league as you know the same way people think of like Aerosmith, or well, it would be like uh, Pure Prairie League, <laughs> uh, ABBA. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love ABBA. I love ABBA. Yeah, I do too. I, I'm legally obligated to defend ABBA. <laughs> it's in your contract. Yeah, it, it's not even just because I live in Waterloo. Right. And yeah. that's what I thought when the first when I saw your address. I'm like, oh, I have a, 
Oh. I was defeated. You won the war. That was one of my favorite ABBA songs, by the way. Mine too. Um, That's another and, no. That's my other favorite. And last on this tangent of opinions, what is your favorite Stones album? Hmm. You know, and that's hard because. Um, Do you want me to split it in two, like favorite later Stones and favorite early Stones? Because they're they're very different bands. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they did a blues album a couple of years ago, and yeah. I really love it because they were a blues band. They were. Um, the The Beatles had some blues influence, but the Rolling Stones band was all on the premise of blues. They were all yeah. blues songs. And um, so I really liked the the blues album that they put out a couple of years ago. And that would probably be one of my favorite. Um, I can't think of the name, but it's, it's the, the Satan. <gasps> oh, uh, yes. Yes. Table with the, the eating and the, the beggars beggars yeah. banquet yes and i i thought you were about to say their satanic majesty's request um i do like that one too that one i, I always get laughed at when i say that's my favorite stones album they're like you like that <laughs> their satanic majesty's request that album's garbage it's like no you shut your mouth you can go no. listen to your Midnight Rambler and your uh, Brown Sugar, and I'll go listen to my 2000 Light Years from Home Ooh, and yeah. Gomper. Oh, yes. And you know, Ace Freely did a cover of that 2000. 2000 Man. No. That was actually, okay. I, I, again, I'll say I heard that one before I heard the, the Stones version. <laughs> uh, me too, actually. But yeah. the thing about Stones albums, and I listened to all of them whenever I was writing the, the, the cookbook for the Rolling Stones. Um, we are very spoiled as Beatles fans because we can listen to an entire album and enjoy darn near every darn song. Almost every song on, an, on a Beatles album we've heard before. Yeah. Um, now... When you compare that to a Rolling Stones album, it's very different because there will be like two songs. That yeah. Before. And some of the other songs are just flat weird. Yeah. And not as enjoyable. And, and, and the, most of it's okay, you know. And I think there might be a certain type of person that is, that like yeah. drinks and, you know does other things and then then that makes them makes them want to listen to more rolling stones music i don't know but yeah. that's that's my crazy wicked opinion i'll, I'll just say second actually no this is my favorite her magic their satanic majesty is number two my favorite is the british version of the album aftermath love it mm. with mother's little helper and a uh, stupid girl and out of time and ah uh, I will have to I'll have to listen to that one tonight yeah. too. Well, the British version. Again, this is another difference between 
the the Beatles and the Stones, where there's a lot of arguments between like, oh, the British catalog, no, the American catalog. Uh, the right. thing with the British or the, I, I'd say the American Stones catalog is more enjoyable than yeah. the British catalog. Like it, wow. it's not even like where the British free. ones. It's not even like with the British ones where there are songs that you recognize on the albums. Like, oh, on Beatles for Sale. Oh, look, there's Eight Days a Week. Oh, there's I Don't Want to Spoil the Party, so I'll go. There's Every Little Thing. It's like, oh, here's uh, Out of Our Heads. Uh, I don't recognize any of these songs. <laughs> but enough with that. I want to ask you, how did, how did you get involved with the... Jude and the uh, She Said, She Said show. Try saying that ten times fast. <laughs> yes, that is. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I want to do that. Um, so Jude and I became friends uh, about a year or so after my, my friend passed away. And we were introduced to each other by Dave Bedford, who has uh, yes. and has lots of books. And I was a at, previous uh, fans on the run guest. OK, he is. He is awesome. And he Dave, was at Abbey Road such on a the nice river. Bloke. <laughs> he was at Abbey Road on the River, and I was there with the girls and um, told him about my book. And he says, "Hey, you know, I I know someone that um, you might enjoy knowing." And it was Jude. And so uh, he introduced us, and we became friends, and we've been good friends ever since. So that's been many years ago, and so Jude and I have done a lot of writing together. Like uh, she would uh, write on my blog a lot of times. And I had, like I say, I had a blog talk radio show for several years and she would be a guest on there. And so, you know, just a couple of years ago I said, Oh, I have the perfect name for our podcast. And because I'm so addicted to revolver, we, I said, it, it, it would be perfect for us to have, we've got to have a podcast and it has to be called She Said, She Said. So I, we, I've tried to stop doing this because I've realized how annoying it was. Like every time in an episode, it's like, oh, here he gets the guitar and tries to play a riff. Like, no. That's all. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. See, this is, this is why I don't get the guitar out anymore. It was a hundred times better than what I could do. I don't even have a guitar, so there you go. But You're one I, step I ahead of me. I know where you were coming from. I could hear it. So, For, for the un, uninitiated, what is uh, She Said, She Said about? Well... John Lennon happened to be at a party in Hollywood, and there was a gentleman there. Named... No, I mean your show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're talking you're going to talk about Peter Fonda, weren't you? I'm I've drank too much of this energy drink, and I am I am becoming the Miss Beatles encyclopedia. Okay, she said she said podcast. P Peter Fonda is probably listening to this. Like, what the hell? They were about to talk about me. I think he died. Did he? I think I think he did. We'll have to. Oh. Anybody listening can confirm that. <laughs> Either way, I think we just started the Peter Fonda is dead theory. If he isn't dead, <laughs> pretty sure he's dead. 
Or he's dead to me. I don't know. But yeah. Oh? I think oh? No, I'm joking. So, yeah. I think he passed away not long ago. Oh. But, yeah, very, uh, very much we discuss and debate uh, different Beatle topics. Generally, John and George. John and George, many he times. He is dead. I just checked. Okay. Thank you for confirmation of that. Rest in peace. He sees, he knew what it was like to be dead. So. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so, um, we have a lot of guests on our podcast as well. We had uh, Angie McCartney on this year, Angie and Ruth. We've had Elliot, um, Elliot, Elliot, Elliot. I don't remember his last name at this instant. So Elliot was lead guitarist for the band The Cars. from the Elliot late- Easton? Elliot Easton. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, you could be my side, my side person to keep me on track here. So Elliot Easton has been on a couple of times. He has a new band. They're going to be on our show coming up pretty soon. The Chesterfield and, Kings. No, um, it is the Empty Hearts. The Empty Hearts. The Ch- oh, now I'm con- Chester- when, that's um, that was Andy Babuke, who is also his. Yeah. yeah, he. I had him on the show. I got the yeah, the Empty Hearts. Right. Which um, now I feel yeah. bad, so I will go plug the Empty Hearts uh, second album. The Empty Hearts second album is out in stores now. Go buy it. That's right. That's right. Um, and I think I've, I think I recently bought that. But okay, so we've had other pretty uh, notable people on the show, but I I forgot my notes. Yeah, that's <laughs> so okay. They're notable. They are notable, but the notes are not <laughs> accessible. Yeah. Oh. Anyways, um, could you please tell the lovely audience out there where they can find your cookbooks? Oh, absolutely. You can find them at Amazon.com. I also have a website that is LenaStag.com, L-A-N-E-A-S-T-A-G-G.com. And the it, it has all four of my cookbooks. I have the original recipe records. I have recipe records, the sixties edition recipe records, a culinary tribute to the Beatles. And the fourth cookbook is called the rolling scones. Let's spend the bite together. But I know it's so great. Oh, this has been, this is, I don't use this word often. This has been a hoot. <laughs> That's great. That is one of Jude Kessler's least favorite words in the world. That's why I cackled when you said it. <laughs> but I say it too. She's like, what, you, what does hoot mean anyway? I don't know. I thought I only. Okay, only fine. It's been a hoot and a half. A hoot and a half. Ooh. I didn't know they said those kinds of things in Canada. Well, I don't know if they do. <laughs> I, I've said things. 
Well, it's been delightful to chat with you today, Ethan. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Likewise. I'm really glad we were able to make this work. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for your patience. Oh, no. Thank you for patience. <laughs> Any, anyone who deals with me needs, like, the patience of a saint. Uh, you seem pretty. You seem pretty chill to me. I deal with a lot of people that push my buttons. So, uh, but I well, I enjoy talking about the Beatles once in a while because it 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 is kind of not. It's kind of there's not a lot of people that can I can talk about the Beatles yeah. with or music. And surprisingly, there aren't that many podcasts about the Beatles. You would think there'd be more. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Surprisingly. I know. There's there's only about 500. Gosh, yeah. And you'd think there'd be like 501. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank but you, Ethan. Thank you. And to everyone else out there listening, thank you. And you can go home now. Dance on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Fulton. This has been a Showtown production.